0: Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church Hey, I want you to do something for me Um, I don't normally ask you to do this But I I want you to go ahead and turn to John chapter 1 Okay, Turn to John chapter 1 and just hold your spot there And we'll get there in just a moment Okay, But I want us to to all be on the same page So that we can flow right into God's word when the time comes So John chapter 1 Recently, in a, in a Sunday sermon, uh, probably about a month ago, I mentioned to you about the nativity scene that I set up this year on top of our, our piano. At our house, um, we have a room that just kind of flows right off of our living room. And uh, a few years ago, God blessed me with a baby grand piano, and um, I, I didn't pay for it. It was, it was, a, it was a gift. And, and so I have a baby grand piano that sits there. Um, and on top of that baby grand piano, we put this, this nativity scene, or I put this nativity scene. Some of you will remember me talking about the star, the old, old Christmas tree topper star that I put on top of it, and it just brings a lot of attention to it. But it's, it's large. I mean, like the, the, manger, or the, uh, the stables, about that tall, and Joseph and Mary are a good size. Um, there's, there's a shepherd, wise men, there's, there's a camel, there's a donkey, there's some sheep. Um, there's even a palm tree. And and so I put it on top of the baby grand piano there, and I remember while I was setting it up, I looked down beside the piano, and right beside the piano, right there, as you kind of walk out of the room into a hallway, um, Mandy had put this Victorian-style Santa Claus that we have. Um, When I when I say Victorian style, it has like a a long green gown, uh, coat if you will, uh, with like fur around it. And so it's not your your you know more traditional Santa Claus. It's 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 Victorian style, and it stands about 24 inches tall, about two feet tall. And I remember seeing it as I was setting it up, and it's one of my favorite pieces of decoration that we have every year, wherever Mandy puts it, my eyes are always drawn to this, this Victorian style Santa. And, and I just, I love the way that he looks with his green coat and stuff. And, and, and so I remember seeing it there and I I finished setting up and, and I remember I went outside and when I came back inside the house and I walked towards that, that piano room there. And I look, and sure enough, there's my magnificent manger scene that I have set up with the star and everything. It's it's pretty awesome if you haven't seen it. And and I if I haven't sold you on that yet, I'll never sell you. It's cool. Okay, so there it is, it's on the baby grant, and I look down, and Victorian style Santa's gone. And so I just kind of look around for a minute, I look across the room, and and, and there's the Christmas tree. And right next to the Christmas tree is now the Victorian-style Santa. So he moved from there to over here. Now, immediately, I knew what had happened. But I felt like I still needed to entertain it a little bit. So I went to Mandy, and I said, Mandy, what happened? Why did you move Santa from over next to the piano over to the other side of the room near the Christmas tree? And Mandy told me, she said, I just didn't feel right. I said, what was wrong? And she I knew all along what was wrong. She said, I just didn't feel right about it. I didn't feel right about Santa being like right next to the, to the nativity scene. You know, Santa right next to baby Jesus. So I moved him. Not today, Santa, not today, you know. (laughs) And and sure enough in our house apparently now we've got this uh, this this separation of Christ and Santa You know not not church and state we have a separation of Christ and Santa, but we do we love to decorate Around our house we, we do and, and I'm with pastor Andrew he, he preached a few weeks ago, and I agree with him that you should not start decorating for Christmas until after Thanksgiving okay, and so it, it's growing pastor Andrew. You're convincing everyone. And so I agree with him And so we start the day after Thanksgiving and we start decorating around our house we love to decorate and and I don't know about your house, but around my house We tend to use the latter We use the latter more the week after Thanksgiving when we're decorating for Christmas we use the latter more than any other time of the year That ladder can sit in that garage for the entire year and and sometimes never be touched. But you let Christmas decorating come around and we use that ladder more that week than we, not this one. This is way too short to use around my house. But but we use a ladder around our house during that week more than any other time of the year. Now, in our garage, we have one of those pull-down ladders that gets you up into the attic because that's where we keep all of our Christmas decorations. And so I'll pull that ladder down and we'll get all the Christmas decorations down. Then we'll take the, the larger, taller ladder that we have outside. And me and Kendall, we, we decorate the outside of the house. We make sure that we get all the lights up, you know, just perfect, just right where they're at. And I know it's a sickness. And if you're surprised by that, you don't know me very well, but we do. We get all the lights clipped on and straight. They're all level. They're all even. Mandy is decorating the inside of the house we don't let Caleb decorate for Christmas because we just don't love him as much and no it's we've tried that and let's just say me and Caleb we just don't get along when we're decorating for Christmas when he was real little I think I yelled at him really hard one time because he stepped on a light bulb and broke it and it just you know he deserved it but I just um, he has no desire to decorate anymore for Christmas so we decorate for Caleb he goes and hides in his room while we're all decorating and so Kendall and I, our job is to decorate the outside of the house. Mandy is decorating the inside, so we get the ladder out and we put up all the lights, we get them all straight. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I mean, I'm just gonna come clean and tell you. Last year, it was our first Christmas in, in in the house that we're living in now, and and I love putting lights all across the front of the house, you know, over, over all the gables and all that. But there's this one part, one section right over our garage, and and there there's a gable over our garage. And, and there, there there's this, this hip roof that sticks out, and it doesn't allow you to lean the ladder up against the house. So in order to put lights up on that gable, you're going to have to climb up on the roof. Now, how many of you know that I'm not doing that, right? <laughs> I'm not climbing up there. It's a little bit too steep for me. It's not that I haven't been on rooftops before, but I'm not going on that one, okay? I've tried, Trust me, I've tried. We even backed Caleb's truck up last year, put the ladder in the back of the truck. And, try, and that was even more dumb, right? You know, you know, just stupid is as stupid does. So we're just not going to do it. So this year, I just couldn't stand the thought of, of not having lights on that gable over the garage. And so I, I just determined, I, I said, we're going to get this done this year. Kendall, get up on that ladder. Kendall wasn't going to do it. And so I'm not ashamed to tell you I called Robbie Rider who will climb anything and I said, I will pay you to go put lights. Five minutes of work. I just I want you to come put lights. And sure enough, he came over and, and he didn't want to get paid, but I paid him anyway. And I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you to put lights up because you're gonna have to come back and take them down. And so <laughs> and so, so we we have lights, beautiful lights. And, and when Mandy finishes inside the house, when she finishes decorating, and she's got the tree all decorated, and we've got this, this like a, I think it's a nine-foot-tall Christmas tree. And, and so I'll bring the ladder in through the front door of the house, and I'll set the ladder up. And it's my job to take the star up to the top and, and put the star on top of the tree. And this year, we had it all decorated. And a couple of weeks later, Mandy says, I've got a new star. I don't want that one up there anymore. I've got a new star. Any, any of your wives do that? You know, everything's done. Everything's complete. And then they want to change the game. I was like, no, no. She, she said, <clears throat> excuse me. She said, I've, I've got a new star. So okay, let me get the ladder. Brought the ladder in from the garage. I set it up. And she hands me the box with the star. I take the star out of the box. And I was like, good Lord, this thing weighs a ton. I remember Caleb's girlfriend, Mariah, was standing there. And I said, feel this. And she, she like, it weighs a lot. I went up on that ladder and I began to put that new star up on that tree and that that tree just, I mean, it it wasn't having it. It just, it didn't have the backbone to support it, you know? Uh, So we put the old star back up. I don't know what Mandy did with that. You you might can get a good deal if you want a good deal on a a star. Um, So around my house during this time of year, we use a ladder more than any other time of the year. Now, this is the first time that I've preached on a Sunday morning during the month of December. Um, pastor andrew preached the first week then we had our kids musical and then we had our worship experience last sunday i know i've done some teaching on some wednesday nights but this is the first sunday and i've been waiting to share this story with you um you've probably seen it by now but i saw this news report earlier in the month out of austin texas and in tremendous christmas spirit Chris and Hannah Hearland, they spent weeks decorating their home to reenact that famous scene from the 1980 time, 1989 classic, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I don't know, has anybody seen this yet? This, this is absolutely amazing. And they were hoping that they would win their neighborhood Christmas decorating contest. So they bought this life size dummy and, and then went down to the Salvation Army or Goodwill, I think it was Goodwill, and they exactly matched clark griswold's 80s outfit and 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 they decorated this dummy and and the wife looked at the husband and she said we got to be careful that looks very real very lifelike and he was like oh everybody will get it and she said let's put a sign up in the yard that suggests you know tells everyone this is not real you know don't you don't need to help this guy So they put this dummy hanging on the roof like the classic scene from the movie where Clark Griswold uh, is hanging off the roof and has no ladder there. And everything was great until Alfred Norwood Jr. was driving by one early one morning. He's retired. He was taking his wife to work. And upon returning home, driving home, uh, he looks over and he sees this guy hanging off the roof and, and can't quite get to his ladder. And and he gets out of his car. He goes running up there, and there's actually a video. I don't have it today, but you need to you need to Google this. You need to go look at it, find it on YouTube, and and you can hear this guy through this camera. You can hear him panicking, and he comes running up, and he's he's screaming. He's like, "Oh man!" please hold on please hold on and then he moves the ladder and he says can you reach it and he's just hoping this guy can find his footing on the ladder uh, so that he can climb down and the guy's not moving at all and and so he he runs out to the road Alfred runs out to the road he's trying to wave down traffic nobody will help this guy nobody will stop finally he gets his phone out he dials 911 and the cops are on their way to come help this guy get down off this roof. And as he's waiting on 911, he gets over to the foot of the ladder and he looks up and figures out it's a dummy. It's a dummy. Actually, if you if you find the right video on on YouTube, you can actually see the the cop come to the door also, and he he rings the doorbell and the lady comes to the door and he says, "What are y'all trying to do?" You know. So, how many of you would agree with me a ladder comes in handy around Christmas time right how many of you use ladders around Christmas time yeah okay today if you showed up wanting to hear the traditional Christmas story out of the Bible I will disappoint you today I am NOT going to read the traditional Christmas story if you're looking for that you need to be here tomorrow night because every Christmas Eve pastor Andrew reads us the traditional Christmas story out of the Bible at our annual Christmas Eve candlelight service Uh, the traditional Christmas Story can be found in Matthew chapters 1 2 and you can also go to Luke chapter 2 And that's where we get the combined efforts to put together the Christmas story and to create your beautiful little nativities That you have at your house like the one that sits on my piano now If you go to the book of Matthew, that's where you're gonna find the, the wise men. The wise men are mentioned in the book of Matthew. If you go to the book of Luke, then you are going to find the shepherds. The shepherds are there. If you remember, if you were a part of my, my Wednesday night class called The Gospel, where I was teaching on uh, why Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, why they were written, then then you'll understand that Matthew was painting the picture of Jesus as royalty. And so it's important that wise men... You know We three kings, it's important that they visit him, and so he paints that picture and makes sure that he tells that part of the story. Luke is trying to reach a completely different group of people, and so he's painting the picture of shepherds, the, the low life of society coming to visit the, the newborn babe. Now Matthew traces the ancestry of Jesus back to Abraham, who is the father of all nations. Luke traces his bloodline all the way back to Adam. The first man. And so Luke goes way back. John, that we're going to read from today. John does not mention the lineage of Christ. He does not mention the birth of Jesus. He does not mention the nativity. There are no shepherds. There are no wise men. There are no herald angels singing. He does not mention any of that. He does not mention Jesus in his early childhood. We get a glimpse from one of the gospels of Jesus at 12 years old. John does not mention that to us at all. But John does something that none of the other Gospels do. John takes us back before humanity, before creation, before the world was was spun into existence. He takes us way back before and he tells us the origins of Christ. John chapter one, I wanna read verses one through 14 and then we're gonna go and read verse 51. nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now verse 51, the very last verse of this chapter. And he being Jesus. Now this is adult Jesus. Here's what adult Jesus says: Truly, truly, I say to you, You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man church every world religion revolves around a ladder every religion has a deity that sets up high sets above everyone else most religions have us as humanity trying our best to climb this ladder to get to that deity to get to that God and so we are trying, through those religions, we are trying to dot every I, cross every T, get everything right, live a life that is pleasing to this deity so that deity will receive us in, uh, unto his own. And so humanity and most religions, are, uh, we're, we're trying to climb this ladder to get to where that God is. And we, we think in our minds that if we can just get everything just right... then then we will find favor with that God, and that God will receive us. Now, this is where biblical Christianity separates itself from all other religions. Sure, don't get me wrong, in Christianity, we too have a ladder. Oh, we've got a God that sits up high. He is high and exalted. We know that our God is higher than anything that has ever been, anything in this universe and beyond. We know that there is nothing that takes the place of our God. Our God is at the top of the food chain, right? We understand that. Everything was created through him. So we too have a ladder. We also have people. In Christianity, that, that it's skewed a little bit. They don't quite understand how this thing works. And maybe you're here today and you don't quite understand how it works because these people, they still believe that, like other religions, we have to do everything just right so that we can climb the ladder and we can get closer and closer to our God. And so these people, they're trying to do everything just right. They're trying their best to pay their tithe down to the penny because they want it to be perfect. They want it to be just right. They want to try and do everything they can that they believe is pleasing to God. If I can kick this habit, if I can adapt this spiritual discipline to my life, if I can dot the I's, cross the T's, then I will find favor in the eyes of God and I can ascend the ladder and I can get closer to God. But true Christianity is not about humanity climbing the ladder to get to God. True Christianity and the meaning of Christmas is God descending the ladder to get to humanity. You see, when some of you finally realize that, it is going to set your life free. Other religions... It's all work-based. How much good can I do to get closer to my God? And the sad thing is, is that the church, Christianity, we've done the same thing. It's become work-based. If I, if, if I give to the poor, if I serve in my church, If I get it just right, then then maybe I can climb higher and higher up the ladder. I'm not going any higher than this. If you know me, I'm scared of heights. This is as high as I'm going, okay? But if I get it just right, then I'll get closer to God. And the problem is, no matter how hard you try, there's going to be that moment when you slip. This is that moment where I wanted to slip on purpose and kind of slide down the ladder. I'm not going to do that, but how many times in your life have you tried to get it right and you get closer to God? And I'm not telling you that you're not getting closer to God, but you're trying and you get closer to God. And then all of a sudden something happens. The rug is pulled out from underneath you. You slip and you find yourself down at the bottom of the ladder once again. How many times has this happened in your life? How many times have you seen this happen in family members or friends' lives? But true Christianity helps us to realize that in a million lifetimes, we could never do enough to climb to the top of the ladder. The entire Old Testament is proof that humanity can't get it right. For over 4,000 years, humanity... Serving the true and living God tried to climb the ladder. For for over 4,000 years, we thought if we can just sacrifice for our sins, if we can kill enough animals on the altar of sacrifice for the atonement of sins, then, then God will receive us. If we can do enough things right, and that's why the rabbis took... Old Testament law, and they created, what, 611 different laws out out of of the Old Testament law? Because if we can get all of these things right, then we can ascend the ladder and get closer to God. And for over 4,000 years, we tried to climb that ladder. We tried that approach, but we kept failing and what separates true Christianity from all other religions is not man trying to climb that ladder but realizing that God came down that ladder to get to us. What other religion does that? There's not one. You will not find another God that chose to come and be a part of his people in order to gather them unto his own. But not only did God come down to earth, he also came down to earth let me say that again in case you didn't understand what I was saying not only did God come down to earth he also came down to earth let me explain this to you we often use this term down to earth to describe someone who is humble and approachable that was Jesus Hey, there were even times when the the disciples tried to make him more than than what he wanted to be. They still wanted him to be that king riding, riding on his white horse. That's what they wanted. Remember when the children came to him, the little children? And the disciples said, he doesn't have time for that. And Jesus looked at him and said, suffer not the little children. Let them come. He said, unless you become like them, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. They were constantly trying to make him more than what he wanted to be. But Jesus had a different approach because he could have come as the king. He he deserved that. Rightfully so, he could have been the king. He could have taken over uh, the palace. He could have took his place upon the throne and he could have had humanity serve him. But he didn't. He came with a down-to-earth mentality, humbled, Approachable. The world says, if you want to be great, climb the corporate ladder and step on whoever you need to step on on your way up. That's what the world teaches us. When you walk out of here and you go back into your job, that is what the world is going to teach you, that you climb the corporate ladder, that your goal in life is to get ahead of everyone else. At all means possible. So you step on whoever you want to. The world says, if you want to be great, climb the ladder. Jesus said these words, and I quote, not so with you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. That's what he said. If you want to be great in my kingdom, then you must serve. If you want to be great in my kingdom, you have to get down off your high horse. You've got to get low, and you've got to serve. And sadly, so many people miss this. So many people miss this. Because until you are ready to lay aside your own agenda and to put others first before you you are useless to the kingdom of God and that's not my words that's the words of Christ and I know this is tough this is tough it's a struggle this is not easy to walk out because the flesh side of us wants to hold on to power the flesh side of us wants to hold on to control because we work so hard to get what we have why would we give any of that up I've thought about this a lot over the past week in in preparation for this and I actually spent some time sitting in my office thinking on this subject what if I were God and that's scary you don't want me to be God trust me okay you don't want that for your life you don't want that for my life because if if I'm God if I'm showing up if I'm coming down to earth from heaven and I show up on this earth, I'm showing up ruling and reigning. I'm just letting you know. And so I just started being honest with myself sitting in my office this week, and I thought, you know what? If I'm God, people are serving me. I know my flesh. If I show up, if I leave the throne room of heaven and I get here, I wouldn't drive myself anywhere. It would be driving Pastor Rocky I would have you taking me everywhere. If I show up on this planet and I'm God, if I'm king, I wouldn't make myself a cup of coffee. I wouldn't make myself a cup of anything. You would be making it for me. You would be making it for me. Yes, you would. I would never wash my own car. I would never pick up my own dry cleaning. If I were king you would be serving me but jesus didn't show up with that prima donna attitude he had every right to but when he came he came down to earth humble approachable one of the things that i i think that we miss out on so many times during this christmas season not only really know if you've ever really thought about this or not but do you realize that Jesus chose not to cheat the system? You know, it's one thing to say, I, I'm coming to earth to die for your sins. That, that's one thing. And, and, and we probably wouldn't think twice about it. We'd have been like, oh, you're so great. This man came from heaven, God's son. He's a full grown man. He shows up. He dies for the sins and, and, and for the, of humanity and, and we're happy with that. But, but he chose not to cheat the system. He could have. But he didn't show up as a full-grown man full of wisdom and full of power. If I'm God and I'm coming to earth to save your butt, I'm showing up as a full-grown man full of wisdom and full of power. But that's not it. The Bible tells us that he came as a newborn baby. And, And the Bible says that he had to grow in wisdom. That means that when he was born, he just didn't know it all. He had to grow in wisdom. The Bible says he had to grow in stature. He had to grow in favor with God and with men. He didn't just show up and have the perfect scenario of look how powerful and wise I am. No, he had to face physical and mental and spiritual attacks just like we do he had to grow up just like we do he had to grow in his understanding and his wisdom just like we do and then in his own words mark 10 and 45 he said these words he said for even the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many I love how Paul said it in Philippians chapter 2 verses 7 and 8. It said, but he, Jesus, emptied himself and taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's How much he loved us that not only was he willing to come here and come as a newborn baby and have to grow in wisdom grow in stature grow in favor with God grow in favor with men but after he reached that point in his life then he was willing to sacrifice all of that and the king of heaven came to earth descended the ladder just to die for us why is this so important Why did Christ have to come to earth in such a humble way? And the answer is very simple. He didn't have to. He chose to. He didn't have to come down the ladder. He chose to. He didn't have to come in a humble way. He chose to. He chose to earn your love so that you wouldn't have to earn his love. You know, a king shows up and demands your love and respect. A servant earns it. And he came to serve. And he said, I want to put so much effort in this relationship. that I will earn your love and respect. And by the way, I will love you so much that you won't have to do anything to earn my love. Our relationships don't compare to the love that Christ has for us. I'm not even sure if we can fully comprehend how much he loves us. Because our relationships, even the, deep, the deepest of affections, it can be skewed by someone else's actions. Whether you admit this or not, your deepest love towards another human being can be skewed by their actions or inactions. I'll, I'll show you what I'm talking about. I love my family. There's nobody else on this planet that loves my family the way that I love my family. Matter of fact, I love my wife. There's no one else that loves my wife more than I love Mandy McKinley. No one. But I love her more when she agrees with me. You see what I mean? Men, don't you love, it more, love her more when she agrees with you? Just say amen. Shame the devil right now. Just tell the truth. Amen. I love my kids. I do. I love my kids. I love them more when they obey me. I love them more when they know that daddy is right and they should do what daddy said in the first place. Right? All the parents in the room should say amen right now. Hey, there are people even beyond my immediate family. That I love I mean there are people that I believe I would die for even in this room There are people that I believe that I love but the depth of my love is Definitely affected by our ability to see eye to eye and to get along Because there's moments when I love them more than I love them at other times That's humanity. That's how we love I'm not saying you stop loving them. It's just it's easier to love someone when you are in agreement with them. This is what amazes me, is that God looked down from heaven and loved us with a love that transcends what we are capable of producing. Understand this, that when he looked down from heaven at me, he and I were at odds with each other. We were not in agreement. His life and my life were not walking hand in hand. He was right, I was wrong. I didn't want to admit that at the time. But we were not in agreement. We were at odds with one another. It was not working out. And in that moment, he could not have loved me anymore. We don't understand that. We don't get that at all. Understand this. I don't care where you're at spiritually right now. Where you're at in your relationship with God, where you think you're at in earning your way up to heaven, I, I, I don't care where you're at. God has never loved you any more or any less than he loves you right now. And when you were a ranked sinner, God never loved you any more than or any less then. And, and, and 10 years from now, when you think you've got life a little bit more figured out, he won't love you any more or any less then than he does right now in this moment. His love is unconditional. Our love is extremely conditional. But he loved us so much that even when we were sinners, Romans 5 and 8, But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That even when we were sinners, Jesus said, I will come down the ladder and I will come to you and I will become part of you and I'm not gonna cheat the system. I'll become a baby and I'll have to live life the way you live life and I'll have to grow in wisdom. I'll have to grow in stature. I'll have to grow in favor with God. I'll have to grow in favor with men. And when I reach that point, I will be willing to lay my life down for you because I love you so much so I'm making this decision to descend the ladder and you know when we sing and we celebrate that love came down we must recognize that the Bible says that God is love when love came down God himself came down in Genesis chapter 28, about 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, Jacob, the deceiver, Jacob has a dream. And in this dream, the vision that he sees in this dream is of a ladder, much, much taller than this ladder. It was a ladder that reached from earth to heaven Now remember, 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, he sees this vision of this ladder connecting heaven and earth and angels ascending and descending up and down the ladder. Now maybe that means nothing to you. But this is hundreds and even thousands of years before prophetic word about the coming Messiah would would, would come into play. This is Genesis. Genesis. This is around 2,000 years after the creation of man. 2,000 years before the birth of Christ. And he sees this vision of this ladder connecting heaven and earth and angels going up and down the ladder. And Jesus clarifies that for us in our text this morning. John chapter 1, the very last verse, verse 51. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's amazing. Jesus brings clarity to what Jacob saw. Jacob saw a vision of Jesus Christ connecting heaven and earth with angels, ascending and descending, and, and then he says, I am that ladder. He, his favorite way to refer to himself was son of man. That's how he, he, he referred to himself the most, as son of man, which just shows you the humble approach there because we know he's the son of God, but yet he chose to be called the son of man. You see, Jesus didn't just descend the ladder to get to earth, But he became the latter. That if you want to get to your deity, if you want to get to your God, if you want to make it to heaven, the only way that you can do that is not through your own abilities. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Your righteousness doesn't cut it, but the righteousness of Christ He says, I'll become the ladder. You want to climb? Use me. This reminds me. April 11th, 2010. It's one of the darkest days of my life, a day I'll never forget for as long as I live. I don't have time to go into all the details of it. Some of you have heard the story before. On April 11th, 2010... I was riding a jet ski that I lost control over. I was hydroplaning across the water. And I hit a dock going probably 35, 40 miles per hour. It's only by the grace of God that I wasn't decapitated. The water level of that lake that day was low, the dock was high, but there was a two by eight running across that, that jet ski hit just the perfect spot and when it did instead of the jet ski just clearing and going under and it just taking me out it hit and it slung me up into the dock and there's some injuries that came with that you know one of the things that haunts me the most about that jet ski accident is not that I almost lost my life listen if I do something stupid and I kill myself y'all mourn for me but just know that I brought it on myself okay The problem with that day was my daughter was riding on the back of that jet ski. And when I realized we were out of control and we were hydroplaning across that water and we were about to hit that dock, by the grace of God, he gave me the wisdom to take my arm and knocked that little girl off the back of that jet ski as hard as I could. Right before impact, right before we hit, I just took my arm and I just knocked the fire out of Kendall. I just, I just hit her. As soon as I hit her, that jet ski hit, threw me up into the, to the, to the dock, broke that, that 2 by 8 going across with my, with my leg. And, and I remember I just went back into the water, the jet ski kind of went underneath the dock And I had a life vest on and I'm just sitting there just kind of floating for a second and then I realized Kendall Kendall I've got to get to Kendall and I look up and that dock was like I said the water was low the dock was high but it felt like it was a million miles away I saw Pastor Andrew run over and he he's leaning over and I reached back and I grabbed Kendall and I pulled her to me, and I just, I just lifted her up. And, and I knew, I knew there was some damage to my legs. For all I knew, I'd, I'd just shattered both legs. I mean, I had no feeling, and I'm just, I know I'm in bad shape, but I'm just lifting her up. I've gotta get her up there to make sure she's all right. And I'm lifting her up, and, and, and Andrew just feels like he's just so far away. And I remember Kendall's foot stepping on me. And at that moment, I didn't care. You step all over me. You drown me if you have to. Andrew reaches down, he grabs her by the arm, and he pulls her up. The only mark that Kendall had on her, the only scrape she had on her at all that day, was a little scrape on her knee that she hit the wood on the side of the dock as he was pulling her up. It's his fault, Christ did the same thing. You're out of control in your sin. But I'll descend the ladder. I'll become you. And then I'll become the ladder. And I'll let you step all over me just so you can get to the Father. That's how much Jesus loves us. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.